From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman. It's State of Nevada. A lot of us dabble in grilling. We'll throw a slab on the metal grill over hot coals, let it char, and then you eat it. But what if you'd like to do more? What if you'd like to make that barbecue sing? A downtown chef is teaching a new class that's likely to up your meat game. State of Nevada's Lorraine Blockle-Moss chats about charred meat with Bruce Kalman for KNPR's Culinary Quickie. He's competed on Top Chef, he's buddies with Backbeat Barbecue's Dave Grohl, and he's got two huge smokers named Big and Sexy. Who could be more qualified to help you get your grill on? Chef Bruce Coleman of Soul Belly joins us for KNPR's Culinary Quickie. Thanks for stopping by, Bruce. Always a pleasure. You're teaching an all-day barbecue class at Soul Belly. What's in store for your students? I'm really excited about this because I've been wanting to do it. I have a lot of friends in Texas that offer barbecue classes. So I've been kind of thinking about this for quite a while. And this is about the third time I've rescheduled it because I just felt like I wasn't ready quite yet. And now I'm ready. What people can expect our very first barbecue class at Soul Belly is to be there at the butt crack of dawn. (laughs) Okay. We're going to fire up the smokers around 7 a.m. Then we're going to teach all the basics. You know, you're going to learn how to take a brisket from a package to the table and all the steps that happen in between, how to trim a brisket, how to properly smoke a brisket. Most important thing we're going to teach is how to properly manage a fire because that is 95% of great barbecue. The meat just sits there, just lays there, you know. For the most part, if you don't manage your fire well, you don't make great barbecue. And that's something I've learned. We're going to teach how to trim and smoke ribs. We're going to teach how we brine and smoke our tri-tip pastrami. There'll be beer all day, all morning, because it's barbecue. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. (laughs) It's barbecue culture. It will also include a little bit of breakfast that we're going to throw together. At the end, there'll be a meal. Speaking of beer and breakfast, (laughs) you brought jiggle juice with you. I sure did. So he sold out of barbecue last night, which is actually a great thing. It says something about how tasty it is. So we don't have meat with us today, which is okay. So Jiggle Juice is a bag that's full of a cocktail-like substance with a straw coming out of it. So it's kind of like... Do you want me to like, explain it? Yeah. So please explain what's in here. So Bali, we want to have a fun environment. So what's more fun than an adult Capri Sun bag cocktail? We partner with Maker's Mark. And Low they- kick. Yeah, there it is. And so this is something that I've been making for a long time. It's essentially a whiskey lemonade. When I was in L.A., this time of the year, actually, Meyer lemons are everywhere. Probably my favorite ingredient of all time. And so I made a Meyer lemon lemonade, and then I infused honey, Fresno chili, which is, that's the kick, and some mm-hmm. some fresh basil. And, of course, a fair amount of whiskey. So. All right. So um, are you awake back there, Zach? How do you feel this morning? <laughs> yeah, the minute I took a sip, Donna Summer's hot stuff came on in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it woke me up a little bit. I, I have a little bit of the sweats, but I, I love a little spicy drink, especially with lemon. So, thank and y'all you. are y'all are taking it hard with no ice too. I mean, it's cold, but the ice definitely you know serves a purpose to water it down just a wee bit. That's okay. It goes well uh, with no, the breakfast like sandwich, <laughs> some hash browns, <laughs> and a coffee. Right. How often do customers ask you for recipes and tips? The number one question we get asked, what kind of wood do we use? What woods do you use and what woods wouldn't you use? So for me, and everybody has their own preference, it's like any other culinary aspect. You have your preferential ingredients, you have your preferential, everything's different. I prefer to use post oak, which only grows in Central Texas. So if you go most places in Austin, for example, they all use post oak. They pay a lot less for it than I do. 
because I have to have it shipped here, but I've tried smoking with a lot of different woods. Anything oak, I'm good with. Post oak especially, it burns clean and even. It's very clean wood to burn. Very important when you're talking about barbecue. You shouldn't actually see smoke coming out of the the top of the flue mm. if it's if the fire is properly managed. If you see black smoke, time to look for a new career. The wood smoldering, yeah, and black smoke on food is is not not a good thing. Too much white smoke on barbecue is also not a good thing. There are certain things like when we smoke cold smoke sausage. When you're over your cold smoking, you want to definitely have a lot of white smoke. But outside of that, if you're smoking like a brisket for 14, 16 hours, you want what's called blue smoke. And that's just the fumes. When you look at the top of it, and you can kind of see the heat coming out of it, mm-hmm. but you don't actually see smoke. Mm. Again, oh, it's kind of like a mirage. Yes. Like that wavy look. It's a mirage <laughs> It's essential. Again, it's all about fire management. For me, what I've found is that post oak is the quickest way to get to that point, as long as it's properly cured and the fire is properly managed. The idea of smoked meat is that the smoke is really a seasoning, mm-hmm. but you should taste the meat. You're at a friend's backyard party, not a chef. What are some common mistakes you see and how does one <laughs> remedy them? Well, when I'm at... Uh, a friend's backyard barbecue party, whatever, I try to not even look. You let it go. Because <laughs> I want to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. But what do you see? Again, I keep going back to fire management because it's so important. Like, for example, you don't want the temperature to waver a bunch, like, because that creates an inconsistent cook. What it also does is that's where you end up with too much smoke on meat because what happens is you let the fire burn down too much. So then you've got to throw extra wood on You really, in an ideal world, you want to manage it with one log at a time. You want to be able to just maintain the heat because the goal is you have a great bed of coals. The flames are the flames. I mean, they're hot, but they're hot right there. The coals is really what drives the train, right? It's what heats all that thick metal and keeps that really hot. If you let that bed of coals burn down too far, you're playing this catch-up game all day long, which isn't good. Your brisket is bomb. Thank Uh, you. Take us through the steps to do brisket at home and try to do it in layman's terms. Have somebody else trim it for you. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, you know, if you can go to a butcher and say, hey, you know, do, are you able to trim this for me to smoke it? Because there's a certain way, there's a certain amount of fat you want to leave on, which is about quarter inch to a half inch in some spots on the brisket. You know, there's things you need to cut off. Any thin parts we trim off, especially on the bottom of the flat, some of them get pretty thin. So you want to make sure that all the edges are rounded because square edges on when you're smoking meat for a long time will burn. I actually didn't know that. They'll get crispy. You should come to the class. I know I should, right? Because there, just because you're a chef doesn't mean that you, you know, are an expert at barbecue. Oh, I didn't. I didn't wake up knowing this. I mean, <laughs> you know, right? I studied. I I read books. I mean, I'm, I've been a chef for a long time, and you know, my only real introduction to smoking brisket was spending two years with Dave Grohl on and off cooking barbecue, and but he loves to do it all himself. I was going to mention that just because. Possibly people in our audience don't know, like the Reader's Digest version of how Dave Grohl's partially responsible for your barbecue success. He introduced me to it, you know, yeah. and he does a great job. I mean, his, his barbecue is great. If you're a chef for a long time, like I have been, you really learn how to read context clues and you really know how to figure things out and be a problem solver. And that's what barbecue is really all about. Understanding, okay, I did this and ended up with this. Now I'm going to try this. So I end up with that. That's what we kind of do all day, all the time. No matter how good it is, I always want it to be better. We spend a lot of time really analyzing what we're doing, the steps we're doing, what 
what went wrong. You know, there's all these tips and tricks that I was taught by other barbecue people. About halfway into the cook or so, when you've got a nice bark on the brisket, we mop it with tallow. I love mopping which we make, tallow. We make tallow from all the, the fat we trim off the top of the briskets. Rendered beef fat, basically, like lard is rendered pork fat. It's just going to help, right? It's just yeah. going to help add that moisture, that fat. We run all day around 250. Okay. One of the things, especially if you have like a home smoker Mm -hmm. and you're only going to fire one brisket and it's cold, the second you put it on, the temp on that small smoker is going to drop at least 50 degrees. So my suggestion is actually get it to 300 degrees first and then put your brisket on. You're always going to put the point, which is the fatty end, towards the fire because that can withstand more of that heat. You close the lid and you don't touch that brisket for like at least the first three to four hours. Don't even peek, right? Don't even look at it. Make sure your thermometer is calibrated so mm-hmm. it gives you an accurate temperature read after that we do an equal parts of apple juice and water so the first thing we'll, we'll do is when it gets to that point where it's ready to be touched then we start to spritz it if the fatty end starts to get a little too crispy we just cover it with foil which you can do with pretty much anything even if you're searing a steak it's great if you get to your point that you like take a little bit of foil and just cover that area exactly the rest of the process is about fire management it's about not opening the door too much what we do is every hour we alternate spritz and tallow we get it to this point where it's going to hit about 160 degrees and has a nice bark on it. And then you hit the problem area, which is called the stall. I don't know about this. No, uh, get ready to be wowed Okay. with science. About 160 degrees, what happens is the brisket starts to quote unquote sweat. What happens when you sweat? It cools your body down and evaporates, right? right? It's coming to the surface. It's cooling down the temperature of the brisket and evaporating. And that happens over and over again. Your brisket temp could actually go backwards. Basically, the temperature stalls. So from 160 to about 170 degrees is the time where that happens. It could take two hours. It could take one hour. You just have to wait it out. Be, be patient. Be patient and let it happen. The next thing we do is we check to make sure the bark is beautiful all around. And then at that point, we wrap them. Mm-hmm. So hashtag science. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to learn more about science and this technique, you need to go to Solbelly's barbecue class with Chef Bruce Coleman. He's the man behind the meat at the critically acclaimed Solbelly Barbecue downtown. Bruce, thank you. Yeah, for sure. I'm Lorraine Blanco-Moss. Zachary Green is at the board, and you can always eat with us. This is State of Nevada.